0: Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for those that are here desiring to commune with you and with other believers. Thank you for this book and for the discussions and the work that you have done over the past few months in regards to our prayer lives. Pray, Father, that you would continue to work in us and through us that our prayers would be open would be honest, would be humble, would be fervent. Father, make yourself known through us allow us to reflect your goodness allow us, Lord, to be used by you to bring you glory. So that you would be exalted. All right. So we are going to finish up the last chapter. And I've got a few questions that I wanted to go through. Some of the questions that we went through when we first started in the book that I asked, a few of those I want to ask now. and then I came up with a couple other questions, so we'll do that kind of near the end. And yes, I do have to leave around 8:15 because I got to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. So, not that we'll rush, but <laughs> we'll get through it here. All right. So we finished on 174, and I forgot to double check. I was listening to uh, the audio version, so I w- wasn't looking at the book to get a refresher. And one of the things that he said just grabbed me, and maybe we haven't gotten there yet, but I'm gonna say it anyways because I don't remember. Oh yeah, it's the next page. Okay, I already I underlined it. Never mind, I found it real quick. All right, we'll wait till we get there. All right, so 174 or 175. Anyone have anything that? challenged them, that convicted them, that inspired them, that they underlined. Oh, wait, first got to ask, all right, for accountability's sake, who had a chance to either read or listen to the chapter in the last week? Oh, wow, less than half, okay, or maybe maybe half,
1: <laughs>
0: right, <laughs> half a chapter, so half the people listened or read, right? Um, how many people remember to pray before they read or listened? All right. So that's good. Well, about half. Uh, So maybe the same group of people. Um, All right. Here's the thing. So it was funny because the kids were, Elise was asking questions about the teen class because she's going to be going to the teen class. And she's like, what about this? What about this? And Ben's like, I can tell you a a strategy so that, you know, they don't call on you or something like that. And, And I said, Come on, guys. The the goal to go to church and to be in a class is not to do as little as possible. It's to grow. So don't worry about it. Look to grow, all right? Strategy. Don't listen to the strategy. <laughs> now I know Ben has a strategy. Right? <laughs> and he knows I know. <laughs> so I say that because... We all come to either Sunday school or Wednesday night or even a Sunday morning with preconceived notions of, number one, what to expect from others, but also what we anticipate needing to do. And I think we need to pray that God would expand our comfort zone so that we would not, be always, not always be looking To do as little as possible. I'm not saying that everybody does, but I think that's a disposition that we fall into. Uh, But looking for, how can I be a blessing? How can I honor God as I go to church? Not just look to be served. And that leads a little bit to what we're going to get to on 176, but we'll say that. All right. All right, so 174, 175. Jonathan. So consider that for a minute. If we are continually praying for the lost, are we more likely to have hostility towards them, or are we more likely to have uh, peace and interest? Yeah, so we're less likely to view them in a negative light if we're praying for them. So that's a huge benefit for us. In many cases, fear directs us. Fear drives us to do or not do things. If we are praying regularly for the lost and have that communion with God, I think one of the benefits is we'll be less fearful because we know that God is at work and we're looking for him to work through us. All right, anything else? 175? Right. Yeah, and that's a great set of verses. Uh, For sake of time, I won't read through them, but definitely a great uh, reminder that we need to be praying for our leaders not not from the perspective of all right if they get saved then my life will be easier that should not be our motivation our motivation should be god may choose to work through them so i'm going to pray for them yes sir yeah well in I mean this chapter as a whole I think should we should all hopefully have asked ourselves are we praying for the lost regularly on our own are we praying for the lost regularly in with our families are we praying for the lost regularly as a church we should be considering these things and if we're not we have to consider, is it our motives? Is it our uh, lack of desire to serve? Is it just pure laziness? Is it, is it fear? What's preventing us from doing those things? All right, 176, sorry, I'm chomping at the bit here to get to this. So at the bottom of that middle paragraph, he says, Christians are to be known for their quiet demeanor, not for making disturbances, unbelievers should see us as quiet loyal diligent virtuous people although we may hate evil hate the evil the, can't read although we may hate the evil world system that is the enemy of god we are not to see those in it as our personal enemies they are captive of the real captives of the real enemy the devil they are not our enemies they are our mission field and if we just thought about it like that every day as I'm going out and I'm interacting with others no matter what they think no matter what they look like no matter where they're from nothing none of those things matter God can work in and through anyone they should we should see them as our mission field every single person we don't know we should try to consider number one we should pray beforehand Number two, when we see them, we should wonder, are they a believer? If I get a chance to talk to them, let me see if I can find out. So at the um, conference that we went to last Friday and Saturday, the, one of the breakout sessions was uh, humility in uh, evangelism. And I know we talked about this with a couple of people, but I thought he made some really good points. When we have opportunities to have a conversation with people, we should seek to have a good conversation. Do you know what makes somebody a good conversationalist? They listen, but they also ask good questions. You have to ask good questions, questions that show you're interested. If we can do that, we can have good conversations. Yes. Yes, exactly. Now, when we have a good conversation, If, time permitting, that gives us opportunities to bring God into the conversation. And when God is brought into the conversation, and sometimes they'll bring God into the conversation, then we have the opportunity to bring the gospel into the conversation. So if you just remember, good conversation, God conversation, gospel conversation. So I thought that was really helpful. All right, 177. Yes, Jonathan, we have a lot to do tonight. (laughs) Yes, but we're going to 177. All right, anyone have anything on 177 that they underlined? All right, what is it, Jonathan? So, we know that God can work despite us, yes? However, should we be that jerk Christian? No. Are there jerk Christians? Yes. Have we, at times, been that jerk Christian? Yes. Yeah. And we need to recognize that and seek to not be that as as much as we're able to prevent it. Right. Yeah, he can work despite us. The point is if we have a I think again on, on 176, if we view people as our mission field, we won't be as prickly. Because we'll know that we need to have a conversation so that we can share God with them in some way or be a light to them in some way and and in some instances, we're not going to have the same opportunity to share the whole gospel. But we might be able to be a light in some way. And there are some instances where we might see somebody and anticipate that we'll never see them again in our lives, in, in our lives, their lives, but we're kind to them, and then somehow, some way, we meet them again. And people remember that. So we never know what God's going to use. But if we're, if we're thinking about it, if we're intentional, if we're praying about it beforehand, then we're going to see those as opportunities. So for example, forgive me for harping on this, if you pray for me today, tomorrow, at any point for this little trip that I'm going on, don't pray for safety. Pray that I will have opportunities to share God, to share the gospel. And that if anything difficult happens, that I will respond in a way that honors him. That's what I ask that you pray for. All right, 178. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Did anybody get a chance to listen to that message that I shared, the power of faith? Huh? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, he touches on that, in that one of the ways that God uses or helps us to grow our faith helps us to see the growth and uses us is through our prayers. And we talked about this at the beginning. Our prayers Our prayers don't change who God is. But God uses our prayer our prayers to change who we are. And so yes, as we pray and we are seeking God's face and we are seeking, seeking his will, he begins to change us and make us more like him so that we have the right motives. In why we're praying, and you know we don't pray for our neighbor so that he'll stop, he'll make our lives easier. We pray for our neighbor because he is, you know, one step away from eternity in hell, and we don't know who God's going to save to save. So we should be praying for everyone that we have the opportunity to pray for, and. We didn't really get into a lot of this, and this book doesn't go in depth in regards to how we should pray for the lost, because this is where I believe the heart comes into play. God knows our heart, right? So should we say the same thing every single time we pray for the lost, a lost person? God, please save Joe. Please save Dan. Please save Rob. Please save Mike. Please save whatever. Whatever. If you're three, sure. If you're older than that, I would suggest there should be a little bit more thought, a little bit more intention, a little bit more uh, desire, especially if it's somebody that you know. So if I'm praying for my neighbor Dan, Father, give me opportunities to to be a blessing to him, and when I have conversations with him, to be able to bring up you and and what you are doing in my life, and and uh, in the meantime, bring other things into his life so that he's thinking about eternity and he has questions. So when we, if we, when we know we're praying, or when we're praying for somebody that we know, we can be pretty specific as to how we pray for them. If we don't know them, maybe a little bit less specific, but we can always be praying that God would bring Christians into their lives, that God would help them to see their sin as he sees it, So there are things that we can pray as opposed to just God save them and, you know, something simplistic. Norma? So in that message, I I want to point this out, and I I hope, if you haven't listened to it, I I highly recommend listening to it. it. It's very helpful because it he talks about when Jesus is mentioning if you had faith the size of a a mustard seed you could tell this mountain to go into the sea it's not what you think it is it's not what we've heard so many times and it's because earlier in the chapter he talked about a mustard seed and if you understand that and he brings it back into it then you can understand what he was actually saying. He's not saying if you have tiny faith, you can ask a mountain to move. That's not the point. So if you don't know what it is, listen to the message. I don't want to give it away because it's very helpful to understand. But he gets to the point that prayer is such a critical aspect of our faith. If we, the more faith we have, the more we're likely to pray. The less faith we have, the less likely we are to pray. So we should be convicted by how little we pray. No doubt we all pray less than we could and undoubtedly less than we should. All right. 178. We, we, in the next sentence, we're not try to, to try to limit evangelism to the elect. I've probably said this before. I know I've said it. I don't know if i said it in this setting, but I know I've said it before. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. If God put a yellow stripe on the back of the elect, I would walk around lifting up everybody's shirt to see if they had the stripe. Right? We don't know who God has chosen. So we need to talk to everybody. We need to not presume somebody is not elect and that was one of the things in the in the session uh, the guy that was leading it as a pastor and he doesn't look like a typical pastor and he was talking about the guy that trims his beard and how uh, this guy is pretty rough and yet um, through conversations he had opportunities to talk about God we don't know who God's going to save, so we need to not try to be God's decision maker in that and in His uh, um, His jury as to who He could or would save. We need to look for every opportunity, no matter what they, no matter what preconceived notions we have. All right, one seventy nine. Dan, pastor. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely, that's, that's, that's a great way to put it. We focus, we spend way too much time on the why. Why not, why this, why that? And what we need to remember is, you know, as we learned in Job, it's not why, it's who. Who is God and what has he called us to do? He called us to be like him. So I think that's a great um, way to look at it if God desires it and he's telling us that he desires men to be saved and we don't know who they're going to be then that, and if that becomes our desire then we are reflecting him and you know I, I always think about Isaiah God asked Isaiah to, to preach and he said nobody's going to listen to you how many want that task right. none of us want that task We don't know who's going to listen. But let me ask you this. If you consider his audience at that point, maybe they didn't listen. But how many millions have heard since then? So we don't know how, how God's going to use us. He hasn't called us to save a certain number of people or to jump through a certain number of hoops. He's asked us to be faithful. How do we be faithful? We... See how he is, and we intentionally seek to reflect that. One seventy nine. All right, one eighty. Okay. Yeah, and again going back to what pastor said, I think there is a little bit of confusion from our part because we think well, God said he desires all to be saved and he's God. So, if he's God, then all the all that then that should happen, right? And I appreciate how he approached it because there are different arguments depending on what side of the issue you fall on. the way that I reconcile it in my head is we have free will as far as we are concerned. But God is in control. And can we fully comprehend that? No, because we are inside of time and space. We are finite. We can't fully comprehend that. But we see in Scripture constantly that God is sovereign, that he has all the power, there's not one one rogue molecule, as Jim Berg says, in the universe. God is in control of every single molecule. So nothing happens out of his ultimate control. Can we fathom that? No, because guess what? Nobody forced any of you to come here today. You chose. Right? And yet God knew before the beginning of time that we would choose. So can we fully comprehend that? No. I think if we spent less time trying to, and and I think this is what it really comes down to, we're trying to know the future. We are such control freaks. We want to know everything that's going to happen to us and everybody around us. We need to stop playing that game, because it gets us into trouble. We need to trust him, we need to do what he says, and not try to figure out every little detail of what's going to happen all right 180 or 181 all right 182 or 83 should inspire us to to follow him all right 184 or 185 6 or 187 yes So, on that point, let's say you become a Christian, you read the Bible all the way through. Whether it's in a month or in a year, you read the Bible all the way through. Are you going to get a better sense of who God is than what you had before? Absolutely. If you read it once a year, every year, like is kind of common as a a, a benchmark to try to achieve, Will you pick up little things each time you read it and continue to know a little bit more about God? Yes, you should, right? Picture it this way. If you walk into a field for the very first time, you're going to notice things that you've never seen before because you've never been there. Let's say that there are some fruit trees. If you walk through every year you're probably going to pick up a few things. But until you dig, you're not going to know what's really there. You're not going to know if there are some greater resources in the ground. If you stay on the surface, you're, you're going to get something. Don't get me wrong. But we, got, we have to dig. Dig. God said he reveals himself to those who diligently seek him. And that takes a little bit more than just walking through and getting a a basic sense. We have to dig. And if you're not digging, you don't see those things. You don't see how all these things are tying together. If you're just reading it, and don't get me wrong, reading is better than not reading it. But reading it to check it off, is not the same as saying, you know what, I'm going to study this book or this passage or this section so that I can truly understand it. So if you feel like you don't know as much about God as you would like, maybe instead of just reading through the whole Bible in a year, spend a month on one book. Spend a year on a book. Yes? Yeah, I mean we have to be intentional. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Absolutely.
0: Karen, were you gonna say something? Were you, were you were you raising your hand? Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Jonathan. Oh, that's three pages back, dude.
2: All
0: right, finish it up. You get one more thing, Jonathan. So 184 to 187. Pick your poison. Yeah, and again, a lot of, I don't know about you guys, I didn't underline a ton over like the last five pages because it was reiterating a lot of what it had already said. And I'd already underlined what it said before, so. Uh, But yes, God chooses whom he chooses, and we are not the ones that determine who that is. Yeah, and we've talked about that a little bit in the past we won't get into it again this week <clears throat> see our next study on the doctrines of grace alright so a couple questions I wanted to go through uh, a few of these were questions that we talked about that I asked at the very beginning when we started on this book uh, and, and then I added a couple so first question and anybody can answer this but this is where i would appreciate crowd participation what do you what do you view differently about prayer that you've maybe thought about from before we started till now okay well And I think that's a human way to look at it. I mean, we should always be praying, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We don't take it. I've been thinking a lot about what I said a couple weeks ago not because it was my thought but just the conclusion that I came to from going through this and that is that anything that we do that is not done in relationship to our prayers is wasted. And I'm not going to unpack that but we should be praying about everything that we do. If we do, if we're doing anything and we're if we're coming to church and going through all the motions and we're not praying, we're going through the motions. It's pointless. Any? Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Something that uh, they view differently about prayer from when we started till now? Trent? Absolutely. I don't remember who it was, but I know recently I was talking to somebody, and was able to talk about God. Oh, that's right, I had a meeting the other day, and my job is—I'm very fortunate because I meet unbelievers almost every day, and sometimes it's just over the phone, but a lot of times it's in person. Uh, but I would brought up church, and uh, I said, "Oh yeah." I'm traveling and I got to get some things ready before I go to church and they're like, "Oh, where you know, where do you go to church?" And so that brings up the conversation and you never know where it's going to go. And I'm like, "All right, Lord, give me wisdom here. Help me do this. Help me to have an opportunity And so and it, it's funny. Like I always I used to think years ago that you had to pray, you know, in a certain spot. And you know, by yourself or where it was dedicated time, and then I find I kept finding myself in these different situations, and I'm like, no, I need to pray. Actually, while I'm talking to people, be praying at the same time, and uh, yeah, it's quite exhilarating. (laughs) Jonathan. And it's so easy for us, you know, we've been spending a lot of time in the in the prophets in the last year. Uh, and it's so easy to look at the Israelites and say, just by offering sacrifices doesn't make you right with God. He wants you to follow him with your heart. Why can't they see that? Exactly. <laughs> It should, the Old Testament, I mean, the New as well, but because there's so much, um, so many examples in the Old Testament of those who God has chosen to follow him and how miserably they did it, that should be a reflection to us and we should be able to see ourselves in that. And, you know, the other thing I thought of when you were saying that is when we allow sin to to sit with us and we don't eradicate it? Do we feel like praying? Not usually. So I think it is a sure sign if we are not praying very much, either we're allowing sin to dwell with us and it's keeping us from prayer because of the guilt, or we don't understand who God is and how he works. So if you find yourself going Without praying very often, or you know all throughout the day, you need to check your heart. All right. Does anyone view God differently? If so, how do you view God differently from when we first started till now? Yes, it is. Ooh. How we view him over time as we get to know him, though, will change. How we understand him. Well, exactly. I've, God has done more on me on the inside when I was praying than doing most things. Um, I can think of more instances where he changed me and changed my understanding of him. And it's, it's, not, it's not prayer outside of scripture. We understand that. Scripture informs us. Prayer changes us. So, just so we're clear, you need to be, have both. Right? You can't just walk around praying all the time and never reading the Bible. <laughs> yes? Absolutely. <laughs> And I'm not gonna say everyone can relate to this, but I'm sure many of us can relate to um, either you start a new relationship or you meet somebody in your kindred spirits, and what do you do? You spend a lot of time talking to them, and you can't wait until you can talk to them some more. How much more should we think about God in that way? And, I mean, let's be honest, it's harder. We don't see him physically. So understand that. We understand that. But he works in ways that no human can. He does things in us and through us that no spouse, no friend could ever do. So the the things that are lacking are more than made up for in the things that He that he provides. All right, let's move on to the next one. Um, has anyone noticed a change in how they approach prayer? How they, how they, either prepare for prayer or how they pray. Um, because they 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 see things different, you know. And I, I would think, and I would hope that it's you have a better understanding of prayer after going through this book. If you've read the whole thing, if you've been here most of the time, then hopefully you have learned something about God and about prayer. Has anyone noticed a change in, you um, know, Bruce said he prays more. So has anybody noticed a change in how they prepare or approach prayer? Jonathan? less grocery list praying it's yes. <laughs> good all right so I asked this question when we first started um, if I can get one person to give me their uh, evaluation what is the purpose of prayer any? Okay? Any other thoughts on that? What is the purpose of prayer? So think about for a minute, and maybe you haven't maybe you have thought about it this way. Why, for example, did the Greeks pray to their gods? Okay.
2: Jonathan?
0: And I think that's the key. They just wanted to get something from them, right? Or they wanted, so maybe they wanted safety. Maybe they wanted uh, prosperity and the many forms that that comes. Maybe they wanted uh, peace, but they wanted something. And they knew that they couldn't provide these things. So they essentially created somebody that they could go to and hopefully get them. So, two things. Number one, that's evidence that it's written on all of our hearts that we can't do these things and we need to go to somebody who can. Number two, if we are going to somebody and making requests to them because we believe they can do something that we can't, that is an act of humility. Now, when done correctly, it's, it's honoring, it's reverence, it's, it's humility, it's, it's uh, worship, it's all of those things. But as we go to him, we are submitting to him, which is what he's called us to do. Let's just do this. I got six minutes left, <laughs> or seven. Any, what? Any overall takeaways from this, this time that we've spent in this book? Any? It's it's our communion with him. Norma? Yeah, in the end, and this is one of the hardest things to realize in human relationships is that we have a better chance of helping somebody else conform to Christ by praying for them and by trying to change them with our words. And it's funny how often we forget that. And let's be honest. we, We want other people to change, right? But if we pray correctly, what ends up happening? God changes us. yeah uh, if if you have children or have ever had children, there is definitely a longing that they will be less like leeches little blood suckers, I tell you <laughs> and I say that in the most loving way possible uh, <laughs> second or let me let me clarify because we are immature and it does take time for us to grow I'm using the children as a parallel to us with God when we are going to God and only looking to get something from him we are like those little kids those little bloodsuckers and we need to by his grace not have that approach to him and have more of a I want to spend time with you I want to serve you not I want something from you Norma I, I really enjoyed going through this and I, I had the the pleasure of going through it with the teens and then going through it with you guys, so it was easy the second time. <laughs> but very beneficial. All right. Let's pray. Father. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness thank you for your faithfulness thank you for your love your patience your grace lord you are more than we can comprehend you are the beginning and the end you are Lord God Almighty. You are our creator, our sustainer, our savior, our Lord. Pray that as you give us breath, you would increase our desire to know you, to love you, to serve you. Pray that our communion with you would be sweet whether on our own or in a group. Pray that we would be able to talk to you openly, honestly. Pray, Father, that you would make changes in our hearts and our minds so that we would better reflect Christ. That we would love what you love, we would hate what you hate, so that as we seek to serve you, as we pray for the lost and have opportunities to encounter them, that we would be prepared to be faithful to you, and that you would work in us and through us to save some. Snatch them from the fire. Father, by your grace, by your spirit, please make us faithful. Us to build your kingdom and bring you great honor.